welcome to this weekday episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Kyle, and along with my good friends and colleagues, Reese and Armando, we'll be breaking down anything and everything Royals, Chiefs, and Sporting Kansas City. Today, we are incredibly excited to report that Sporting KC once again delivered in crunch time and penalties. From the MLS Cup to the US Open Cup, all the way up to last night's victory in the MLS's background of 16, historically, we've been clutch when it counts. And here's hoping that the rest of this tournament lives up to those first two examples that I made, because there's a there's a divide there. I get that. But, you know, we're all for looking on the bright side at Fountain City Sports eh, Media. Sometimes. Eh, sometimes. I have a question for my compatriots. Lay it on me. We already have introduced to our dear listeners the concept of a crushable cast, which would be a very short, uh, very topic-specific sometimes beer related podcast that's just crushable like a like a good session ale i propose that we introduce a new brand of podcast for games like last night and call it a crunchable cast sponsored by taco bell oh my gosh yes but i'm feuding with taco bell right now did you hear where they took off the menu cheesy gordita crunch dude they took Cheese Gordita Crunch is gone. Beefy Fritos Burrito is gone. Potato Soft Taco is gone. Potato Soft Taco is gone? They took Potato Soft Taco off. Hold on. Hold on. I'm I'm going to bring in friend of the podcast, Logan, to give her hot take on Potato Burrito or Potato Taco. Whoa. Is this our first Logan, cameo debut on the podcast? Are you, are you serious? Okay, talking to that thing. Potato... Potato Taco is now leaving Taco Bell. Logan, your initial thoughts. Can I say say dirty words? Uh, <laughs> do whatever you want. What the f***? Yeah. What? That's like my favorite. That's... Okay, thank you, Logan. Ooh. You guys are lying. No, we're not lying. Look it up. What the hell? Google this stuff. This is not fake news, man. It's, it's so sad because they're taking staples off of their value menu, which in my opinion was the best value menu in the game. And I don't necessarily want to go and get like a $4 gordita every time. I like, you know, doubling down, get a couple potato soft tacos, get that beefy five-layer beefy five layer burrito, you know, maybe get like a Mexican pizza, some cinnamon twists, and it's like... Oh, dude, throwback. That's like maybe four or five bucks right there. It's crazy. Why, uh, why, why are they disbanding all the items? Is it because of COVID and like shortage of meats? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's real meat or not, but like it could be the shortage, dude. Of course it's not real meat, but we don't care about that. You know, we, we're going to Taco Bell. But no, it's... It's totally crunchable. <laughs> oh... Dude, I mean, okay, I think you guys are getting sa- sidetracked here by your love of Taco Bell, but the real question here is... It's a is, huge deal. Okay, fair enough. Listen, our team performed in crunch time, so I think, by definition, that makes this a crunchable cast. All right, fine. Did you guys hear Taco Bell's getting rid of the soft tacos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so, like, Logan is a vegetarian... And she doesn't eat meat, so that's the only thing she can get from Taco Bell, and we always go. So this is a big disaster for the Contreras household. Cold Shoulder Mondo is back. Coming at you, Taco Bell. Can we get a boo for the Houston Astros and Taco Bell? Absolutely. Boo. Boo. (laughs) 
I got to start sending this podcast to my old boss at uh, Taco Bell, a, a place in Houston, uh, <laughs> because he's a huge Astros fan. That's nah, OK. OK. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. All right. So let's talk about the pre-match a little bit. Uh, we were back to the formation of having Johnny Russell on the right, Kyrie Shelton coming up the left. Uh, Peter Vermees went again with Graham Smith instead of Matt Beasler. Um, for for Vancouver, I got to say the story was much larger. They were absolutely decimated personnel wise, and they could barely field a team through most of this tournament. Um, to the point where the biggest story pre match was that their third string goalie Thomas Hassall was going to be starting for them, as he had their previous match against Chicago. And as it turned out, one of the instances of the pregame story being the real story, that was the story of the match. Um, And it's also worth mentioning that after losses to Seattle and San Jose, Vancouver basically snuck in to the tournament, which is why we didn't even mention them last week because of basically the math involved. It was was really surprising that they snuck in uh, after shutting out Chicago 2-0. also worth bringing up that pre-match all all everybody could talk about was the Vegas line heavily favoring Kansas City I I probably would have bet money and I I apologize to all the Kansas City fans I texted both you guys before the match and I was like lol they have their third string uh goalie on today I was like this is gonna be a cakewalk and I had like texted you guys I was like this is gonna be hilarious oops sorry guys well, and, and at the end of the day, the fact that Vancouver were huge underdogs made Hassal's performance that much more impressive. And I guess the real question here, which we'll address throughout this this cast, is what is the real story here? Is it that much about Hassal's incredible performance? Is it more? Uh, our- you know, I'm just going to jump right into this because I have something anxious I have to get off my chest. Hassal played fantastic. And unfortunately, he now is added to this growing nightmare list for Kansas City teams where they're playing an opponent who's like recently called somebody up from AAA ball or from the practice academy. And they look like, you know, they're an all time great. Put them on the Mount Rushmore right now for the Royals. They have this problem where let's say like they're playing the Red Sox and Chris Sale gets the scratch and it's like, oh, okay, well, the Red Sox are playing newly acquired Chester Fister Muffin, you know, and he winds up looking like the second coming of Brett Saberhagen. You know, and that's kind of what happened last night to us. It's like, all right, we finally catch a break. Young third string keeper. Let's get some goals in there tonight, boys, and change our fortunes. And then he comes in and plays like the second coming of John Luigi Buffon. It's like, you know, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. I I think that it's a combination of both. I will give the wall of Hassal his due. That was an amazing performance, but it's it's twofold because there wasn't 37 shots on goal. Like he didn't save 37 shots. We still were taking shots that were either above the post, on the side of the post. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities. So it was a combination of we just did not execute when we were able to have possession and score a goal well i gotta ask a really bush league soccer question right here because i have never known the answer to this in all my years watching soccer what constitutes a shot on goal is it technically a shot that would go into the goal if not saved yeah okay it's a shot that was on the opening of the goal because 
I, I feel like there were like tons of shots that were technically on goal, you know, but maybe like hit the crossbar or went like just over with a header and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, I consider that a shot on goal. Well, the, those aren't on goal because they're not on the opening of the goal, you know. They went over or they hit the crossbar. Yeah, I guess that's that's a problem I've had watching soccer like through my 29 years of life is just that the definition of what's a shot on goal. But I think we have some other definitions that we're going to argue about this evening, such as <laughs> what does it mean to finish, boys? I don't think I'm allowed to say that on the podcast. Hey. Hey. Uh, yeah, why don't we jump into it? All right, Kansas City fans. We're- this episode has already gotten so much less family friendly than our first five. It's because Taco Bell took the soft potato taco off the menu. Kansas City fans, we have a story for you, and we're going to put it up on our Twitter poll whether Armando is right or Kyle is right. So we were coming up. But we don't have a Twitter. Oh. Wop, wop, wop. Even more of a reason for us to make a Twitter so we can make a poll so I can win this argument. Okay, so we were going through titles for today's episode, and there are a lot of great titles. I thought of a title that was very similar to a term that we use in basketball. Having a great move, and then shooting the shot, but then missing the shot. So I said, the the title should be called Million Dollar Move with a 10 Cent Finish. But Kyle disagreed with me on that. Can you explain? This is a little bit putting the cart before the horse because we haven't really done our breakdown in the match yet. But (laughs) let me just say that this text came into our phone after a certain number of minutes played, less than 30, in which we'd already seen some incredible saves by Hassal and some really encouraging play. Uh, from specifically Johnny Russell and Kyrie Shelton, but also some, some some great opportunities on goal early in the match. And as we'll get into, in general, our offense was strong early. Defense, very much less so early. But I felt a little perturbed that the implication here would be that we looked great, we just couldn't execute at the end. When Hassal had already made like three excellent saves. I took umbrage at the fact that this was putting this all on our finishing. But at the 39th minute, it was 16-2 to with not shots on goals, but just general shots. So my argument was that we were taking a lot of shots, we just weren't executing. I should have used the word execute, so I apologize to owner of the podcast, Regular Kyle, since we don't have a nickname for you. I'm just going to call you Regular Kyle right now. I should have used the word execute, but you totally understood what I meant. I did, and, and also to... To throw one back in your court, I totally chose to die on that hill because, yes, you are right that, like, technically, because we did not score, I guess the finishing wasn't great. But the whole sentiment behind it just pissed me off, and I have a hard time letting things go, <laughs> and that's where we wound up. Therefore, Twitter, we do not need a poll anymore. Armando has won the debate. Kyle, we can go back to talking about the actual well, match. We, uh... Okay, I'm going to jump in here and play Wisdom of Solomon right now. I feel like I don't want that. I feel like I don't want you to say anything about this right now. <laughs> I want Wisdom of Solomon. Give me the wisdom. Uh, wisdom of Solomon is going to take the wisdom to put a pin in this, and we can come back to it later, in which I will enact the true Wisdom of Solomon. And uh, Wisdom decide- of Solomon sounds grumpy and tired. Wisdom of Solomon sounds lame. <laughs> wisdom of Solomon is... I can just see Reese with like a gray beard and like a huge white robe, and he is the Wisdom of Solomon. It's not dumb. It's one of the six things that makes up Shazam. Wisdom of Solomon sounds like he really just needs a beer. Dude, that'd be a good brewery, actually. Wisdom of Solomon. 
Oh, yeah. Wisdom of Solomon. Crunchable cast. So we're going to come back to- Stop trying to bring us back, Reese. You talked us into this. You don't get to talk us out. Fine. (laughs) This is totally off the rails. I love it. Wisdom of Solomon says that I have always thought that the concept of finishing means finishing your move, which I saw- way more finishing of our moves than a lot of people said, which would constitute finishing with a ball and a goal. Now that brings us back to our first definition question as to what pertains a shot on goal. Because I feel that if somebody, if Johnny Russell puts a big old cross in, Kinda hits a volley, one hop, and it's going to go to the top corner of the goal, and Hassal jumps up and gets a fingertip on it and blocks it, is that Kinda's fault, or is that Hassal just making a crazy, insane save? I would say Kinda finished his move. The ball just didn't wind up in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, that that's also where I was coming from, although I have to say it because I've totally, you know, like, I understand by, by the book. That's not finishing because he didn't score. So I get it. But intention is everything. Again, I will concede that uh, Hassal made some great saves. But there were a lot of shots that were not uh, like even close to shots on goal, which is why I I made that term million dollar moves with a 10 cent finish because like like we can get into it. Zussi had some amazing crosses, right? There were some amazing just across the field, left to right. They were switching up. Um, they were splitting the center backs. It was amazing play. Um, which which frustrated me, which is why I brought up that title because I was like, oh my gosh, like Zusi, I hadn't seen Zusi do that in the last couple games. Had had you guys? This was new to me that Zusi was like, you know what? I'm taking this team on my back. That's a, that's a great point. I don't know. I've seen in the first few matches that Zusi's been putting some sniper level crosses in there. That's like the one thing that I still think he hasn't lost a step on. But maybe it's the equivalent of the jump shot in basketball. It's just like if you're a pinpoint crosser, that's the last thing to go in your game. I want to debate that a little bit because I I hear you on that that his that Zussi's offensive play has been pretty decent so far, but we saw Zussi get burned quite a few times defensively in the past few matches. Oh yeah, and I thought his his all around game was quite good this this time. I also want to point out that early on, um, a lot of the interplay between Kyrie Shelton and Johnny Russell was quite good early. And also, I want to give a shout out to the comeback player of the cast, Luis Martins, who I uh, was not particularly glowing about last match for, I think, good reason. And this guy had a great game, both defensively, we didn't see any of the shakiness that we saw last game, but also uh, he got involved in the final third quite a bit. And it, it was cool to see him kind of play two ways and and i thought it was a good game can can you guys explain to me why uh graham smith is being played over beasler the past two games it's a good question i mean he's strong and he's fast i don't know if if maybe beasler took a knock in our first first or second match this could be some uh just hearsay but i read a few different comments and a few different boards that beasler was arguing with vermees after colorado put a goal on us down two men and that he might be in the doghouse right now. Really? Yeah. So that's just that's just juicy shock top gossip, you know. So I'm sorry, Pete. <laughs> I like Graham Smith though. That's what our podcast is about, baby. We love juicy gossip here. I like Graham Smith. He was cool under fire when he had to be, even though we'll talk about the shaky defending in a bit. Um, and he also had two pretty decent chances on goal that were a little squandered in terms of the header, but um, regardless, he was in the right pace at the right time. And so I, you know, I think he's a good player. 
let's let's chat a little bit about uh, how our 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 general style of play in this match, namely really relaxed creative play with the ball and then some shaky defending of the break pertains to our previous three group matches. How does this match stack up with the others? This to me felt like it was the first half against Minnesota United for a complete 90 minutes. I thought this is probably the best we've looked all tournament since that first half. We seem to have, like you said, a lot of creativity, a lot of things that were working very well. The offense was really flowing. The ball was being distributed. There were a heck of a lot of shots. And I mean, seriously, if uh, he wasn't playing out of his mind, we probably should have put like at least two or three goals in that first half. There were just some incredible saves being made. Yeah, jumping on what Reese said, there was a lot of combo plays that we hadn't seen before. I feel like the last couple of games, it was just mainly like Sporting KC fit, right? Super fast, pressing, everything was great. But this, there was actually like wise combo play. The ball was going left to right as opposed to just like straight up the middle. They were really switching in the center, which I thought was really unique. Um, So it was great. But of course, we didn't. I will die on the hill. We just didn't finish. We just weren't finishing. Reese, let's talk a little bit about the officiating. We had a really early yellow for Kinda, but then no more bookings until the second half. And in general, the the style of play in the game was not particularly chippy. How did you feel about it? Well, that's because the ref set a precedent very early on in the game and didn't let the game get chippy. Uh, you know, he, he booked Kinda for that yellow card pretty early. Mm, you know... I was surprised he pulled a yellow on it, and I was surprised he pulled it out right away, too. It's like he had his decision made the minute that guy went down. Uh, was it a very hard foul? Yes. Uh, would I prefer he pull a yellow like that? I think so. I think it kept the game very much in control, especially when you had a very heavy-legged, tired Vancouver team you know, going down the stretch that could easily get very frustrated that Sporting just kept pelting them. I thought the game seemed pretty clean. I thought he did a good job uh, with parity on both sides. I think the only bad call was letting that guy take that corner kick when the ball was like nine inches off of the corner circle. But <laughs> that was funny. That now now that was crunchable. That was crunchable, and that and, and also that was the that was the sideline ref too. Like, how often does that guy get to do anything? Have that argument, baby. Have that time in the spotlight. I love how they were arguing, and then he was like, eh, whatever. Like, he he, he didn't move it on that first try. The ref was like, eh, just go. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let's talk about how this was not a fun underdog match. My definition of a fun underdog match, even as the team who's favored, I mean, let's just speak as if we're the team, as if we're not the fun underdog. If we're the underdog, we're always the fun underdog. But I'm saying, like, if your team is heavily favored, but your opponent just comes in and puts together just a complete game against you, and it's just like an epic battle between titans, I don't hate that. I think think a good example of that might be... I mean, sort of the easy one is Chiefs-Rams last season. Mexico City, baby. Yeah, or... Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. Yeah, great. Another great example. This was not that, in part because of the Hassal storyline where Vancouver's keeper just put in a supernatural effort. It was incredible. Paired with uncertain defending on our end, and so there were many moments of just gripping your chair in anxiety and too many chances on the break for their, frankly, tepid offense. We just gave them too many chances. So that paired with the inability to put one in the goal in regular time 
made this not a particularly fun match to watch. No, I, I agree with you, definitely. I think what's frustrating is the fact that Vancouver took it to penalties and everyone kept saying, oh, you know, they, they were bunkering on us. You know, they were just playing nothing but defense and going for a counter-strike goal. Nah, I think we were just keeping the pressure on them so much that they were always on defense. This wasn't like when uh, Russia played Spain in the World Cup two years ago and Russia legitimately just like put, what was it, nine guys in the box the whole time and had no intention of trying to score. They just wanted to take it to PKs. They did. They won. That's a black eye on soccer, I think. This was just a combination of our inability to finish paired with uh, Hassal playing out of his mind in goal. Like I said, all eight of those shots really should have been in if this guy wasn't just playing lights out in the goal. Yeah, there was a lot of moments, in particularly in the 50th minute. Uh, Theo Bear, like that dude can dance on the field. There were a lot of shifty plays where we had so many possessions on the other side of the field I was feeling great and then all of a sudden he has one possession and my heart is dropping because I think all the times that we made those shots on goals Theo Bear is about to go off on us and that really pissed me off as a fan because it's like we just spent 50 minutes like we had probably 90% of possession and then 10% of possession I'm like dying over here because I think Theo Bear is about to like shuffle his way to a goal that kind of pissed me off also, before we move into the second half here, uh, t- towards the end of the first half, we had great facilitation by Johnny Russell. And then my personal favorite use of Alan Pulido as a decoy, which has been a recurring theme of these uh, reaction casts so far, where at a direct free kick, Pulido didn't even move a muscle. He just stood there while Russell came in and just made a beautiful attempt on goal. Side-curving arc around the corner that Hassel still saved. It was incredible. It's just like you said. Everybody's always keeping an eye on Pulido. You have to figure out, like, what's he going to do? Is he going to strike? Is he going to make a play? Or is he just going to stand there and have, like, five dudes watching him? He's the most dangerous offensive player in the MLS. So moving into the second half, our scary moments on defense and our frustration on offense just continued to rise. There were a couple of yellow cards that we mentioned earlier for Awuzu and Gutierrez early um, for Vancouver. And then in the 67th minute, Vermees subbed in the Rocket Squad, Gerso and Buzio. Can we call them the Rocket Squad or do we have a better name? I'm going to say I love the Rocket Squad. That sounded so natural that I'm like, is he making a Rocket Power joke or like a Pokemon Team Rocket joke? I was going to say we should call it Rocket Power. Dude, can we call them the Shoebies? Shoebies. I'm going to watch Rocket Power tonight. Thank woogity, you, Woogity, 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 Woogity. I don't even know who you guys are. So uh, the Rocket Squad came in for Russell and Espinoza, <laughs> and then Vancouver subbed in Jordi Reyna as a late weapon. And for me, that was some of the only truly scary moments of the game that weren't self-induced, uh, that weren't just caused by a defensive breakdown. Uh, in fact, the first few minutes after he was subbed in was some of the best clear-cut um, kind of structured play from Vancouver that we saw all night. Uh, and this is sort of included in Luis Martin's excellent play and, and, and our back line in general, whether that's storming because it wound up being nil-nil into PKs, that was super important. I totally agree with what you're saying. We still have this thing where we can be peppering shots on goal for 10 to 15 straight minutes and suddenly there's one clearance 
and the other team's on the fast break, and I'm on the edge of my seat saying, holy crap, we're about to blow this. And I think if it was a better, less decimated team than Vancouver, there's a very good chance we blow that last night. Not to mention, before the PKs even happen, let's give a shout-out to best friend of the podcast, Melia, for some disgusting saves on some of those free kicks, just some of those general shots on goal. Man, I, my heart stopped so many times. So uh, then we we got to see uh, Shallowy in for Kyrie Shelton late. I really like Daniel Shallowy, and I think he's going to have a bounce back year this season. I've always really liked him. I think he plays really hard, and he's a really consistent technical player. Anyway, anything else about all that before we move into the penalties themselves? Yeah, I want to jump. What are you seeing that's so hot on Shallowy, man? I think he's he's looking like a bit of a weak link right now, in my opinion. Well, Shally played really well a couple of years ago. Is that right? And he, yeah, he played really well. Then last year, not so great. I hear what you're saying with having the bounce back season, but like, why are we playing him right now? Is I wouldn't say now is the time to play him unless they're really taking this as an exhibition means nothing tournament. I think that he was a great choice for for a for a late guy to sub in for Kyrie Shelton. Fresh legs, he's quick. I think that's fine. Yeah, because you can you can tell that people were gassed. I mean, I, I even put in my notes, Kinda was super gassed in the in the eighty third minute. Like he just looked like heavy, heavy legs, which sucks because Busio and uh, and Gerso had some great goals. I had seventy third minute. Gerso just misses a little right hitting hitting the uh, the uh, side netting. So I feel like yeah, if Shallowy comes in and brings that high energy, I feel like that can really bold well for us if we add him into the rocket power group that can really help us in the quarterfinal that's a fair take i i think it's really interesting how we seem to be such a technical team but also such a pace oriented team like you've been mentioning when you we bring certain subs off the bench and start players in certain different combinations you know we got a high motor team going and you, you combine that with like the amount of skill we have and the amount of set plays we can produce, and like that makes us really dangerous. Yesterday's game kind of reminded me, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but it, I'm just getting a lot of Houston Rocket vibes versus the Warriors, where like Houston Rockets are clearly the better and more athletic team, but they just can't get the uh, the uh, job done in the playoffs. Neither team plays defense either. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of Houston Rocket vibes with, the, with sporting, unfortunately. Okay, let's talk about the penalties. So really the story here is Tim Melia, who we love. I can't believe you guys decided to talk about Tim Melia like before talking about the PKs. How do you not talk about Tim Melia before the PKs? Like I said, he was straight fire during the game. That's true. He was. You're right. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. However, he made two great saves where he just, I mean, he was reading these guys all the way. And yeah. uh, Vancouver's first penalty went off the post. Polito's first finish was just crushable. Oh, Polito's swag, so good. Yeah. There's so much swag in that I, I, Dude, kid. that yeah. was, I, I'm dead serious when I say this. That was one of the straight dirtiest moments I can think of in sports history for like the last five years that I've witnessed. That was. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's not so much of an uncommon move. I've seen guys do that before, but the fact that he decided to do the little hop step hezzy and make the goalie pick a direction and then just bloop it in, I've seen that quite a bit. It's always fun to see that, and sometimes like a 
like a surprising technique or, or, or like a trick shot will backfire in a PK. But most I mean, dangerous offensive player in the MLS for that very reason. And after Owusu converted the second penalty for Vancouver, it was really important that Elie wound up sneaking one past Hassal, even though Hassal guessed right. It, it was a good kick, but Hassal guessed right and he was on it. Uh, and so that became even more important. And then from there, we were basically home free. Melia saved the next one. Shallowy got blocked on the next one, which wasn't great. Uh, but then Reyna, their late game weapon, got blocked on the fourth penalty. And by that time, it was just all over except for the formalities for Vancouver. And our 18-year-old young gun, Busio, got to ice it. It was awesome. It was a great take by Busio to ice it. It's a very good point. You know, I saw a lot of posts online of people saying, oh, Melia keeps hopping off his line before the kick. Rah, rah, rah. You know, it's, that's illegal. Okay, guess what? Yes, it is illegal to hop off your line before the kick, but it's like holding in football. It happens on every PK. It happens on every play. It's just a matter of how egregious you are with it. And I don't think it's cheating. It's just part of the game. It's also super badass of him to step off before and know exactly where it's going to go. Like that is way more impressive than anything being illegal about exactly. it. Exactly, and it's not—it's <laughs> not like he's charging. I, I've seen this where, like, you know, they kind of take a step forward and almost like charge to cut off the angle. He was never cutting off the angle. He was always just reacting quickly. I also uh, want to wonder how much of this is experience too, because part of what made Hassal's performance so great during the ninety minutes was not only was he choosing good placement laterally but he knew when to come off the line or stay in goal. And with with eight shots on goal out of 37 total shots, those decisions become important. As we saw with the heart-stopping moments with, with Melia, even though they, they had way fewer total shots, they had five shots on goal. And so the saves were only eight to five, which, uh, again, to, to talk stats a little bit more, we won possession 63-37. Uh, we outshot them 37 to eight. But again, shots on goal, eight to five. So when you break it down to the end, testing the goalies, Melia was there for us when he needed to be. And although Hassal turned in a very experienced performance, it didn't happen during the PKs. And isn't it crazy the fact that Melia was just able to turn it on? It's like, how cold was he getting the fact that we kept you know, beating them the whole game and just like kept peppering shots on them for, like, through all the 90 minutes plus stoppage time. It's also worth pointing out that our 22 shots in the first half is the second most ever in Major League Soccer. Incredible. Are you serious? A million dollar move, 10 cent finish. <laughs> You're just really pushing that, my man. To wrap this up, what does that all tell us? Was this game an anomaly in the fact that we didn't find goal? Is Hassal really that good? How can we pair this in our game against Philly in the quarterfinals? Keep in mind, they beat New England 1-0 to get there. Keep in mind, they beat NYCFC 1-0 in the group, 2-1 against Atlanta. They tied Orlando 1-1. That's a pretty good resume going into our quarterfinals. And furthermore, that's a really good defensive resume. So how, how does this match stack up in terms of what just happened and where we're going forward? If I can touch down again on what you said earlier about, like, does Vancouver deserve to win this game or how would you have felt? It was kind of an ugly underdog game. When I started watching this one, I decided I was going to keep a tally every 15 minutes and score this like a boxing bout. So, you know, there were scores like 10-9, 10-8. The only time there'd be a 10-7, I decided, would be if there was a goal because, you know, it's equivalent to someone getting knocked down in a round. You know, it's a big, big changing of the tide. Every 15 minutes... I had Sporting Kansas City winning this this match. After the first 15, it was 10-8. At 30, it was 
at uh, halftime, it was 10-9. And then in the second half, I had it rated all 10-9s. Because, you know, for as much as we were as much as we were killing with shots, they would have like one good counter-strike or two good counter-strikes every 15 minutes. So what's scary and frustrating for me is the fact that with all those shots, we couldn't put a goal on there. Uh, I would have been very upset if Vancouver had managed to escape past us because, you know, the better team would have most certainly lost. But, you know, unlike boxing, where if I would have scored this like a match, there'd be a decision at the end of 90 saying Sporting Kansas City, the end. You know, Vancouver had a chance to steal it. I really want to see more goals put up. I don't care if we had eight shots on goal and they were all blocked. Uh, you know, some of those really should have been goals if, you know, he, he wasn't playing out of his mind to the degree he was. I have two things to say. One, Vancouver, sell high on Hassal. Get whatever you can for him now because you still have your first string and your second stringer. Hold on. Breaking news. Vancouver just traded Hassal for LeBron James. <laughs> Get out of here. Thank you, Vancouver, for... Thank you, Vancouver, for taking my suggestion. Oracle Armando coming at you. By the way, NBA playoffs coming soon. Check it out. That was point one. Point two, Cold Shoulder Mondo is back. Cold Shoulder Mondo did not like this game. We just could not get the ball in the goal, and we have to do that in the quarterfinals. I'm sure Philly is scared of our athleticism. I'm sure they're scared of our offense, but... I'm sure they're kind of happy of how this game went Dude, yesterday. I got to disagree with you, though. I wouldn't say we lost. Like I said, this game really just came to Hassal playing out of his mind. You give me a league average keeper or the aggregate of every keeper left in this tournament as like a hypothetical keeper, we put in at least two to three goals on that. That's why I would have been so upset if Vancouver snuck a late game, you know, counter striker one in PKs, because they so obviously were the lesser of the two teams and did not play well at all. We played a really good game. We just ran into this 20-year-old kid playing straight out of his mind. Even though, even though Hassal is amazing and he he saved eight shots, there was still 30. But this didn't you know? feel like a game where I felt like we were lucky to sneak out of there. You know, I, I didn't leave saying, oh, if we play like that against whoever we have in the next round, Philadelphia, you know, like, oh, we're going to lose. If we play that against Philadelphia, we're going to drop three or four on their garbage keeper. That's a fair point, actually. I hope so. I hope so. I can see both sides of this, um, but yeah, that's a fair point. I want to call back to the Kansas City Chiefs versus Detroit Lions week, what was it, three this last year? Where that, <laughs> I'm dead serious. That was the kind of game where we played sloppy. You know, we probably, Detroit could have deserved to win. It was very back and forth, but we made the final drive and did win. Had we, Oh, I actually do remember that game. No, I, I, I was like, Reese, how are you pulling this out of your ass? But no, I actually do remember. It was like the fourth quarter drive, and I was like, oh, no. Exactly, and that was one of those games where I'm like, yo, if we play against this, like, you know, if we play like this against Baltimore in the playoffs, we play like this against New England in the playoffs, you know, we're in trouble. No, you know, if we play like this against anybody in the MLS, you know, bar maybe Columbus, you know, it's like we're we're probably winning that game by multiple goals, man. Well, the future will hold much for us. That's all I can say. Wisdom of Solomon. With that, we want to encourage you, our fledging listeners, to subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you like. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Also, as always, a shout out to Kansas City Bands, Carswell and Hope, and Like a Tiger for introductory and outro musical content. 
Also, shout out to Reese for being an editing guru on all of this. Also, shout out to Reese for putting up with us all the time. Kyle, Kyle, can I can I jump in speaking about putting up with us? Uh, fans out there, as we've talked about today, Taco Bell has taken away a lot of stuff on their menu. You would have spent $5 to have stuff on their dollar menu. Take that $5 and say, stick it to you, Taco Bell, and donate on Patreon for us. Join the campaign. You're a natural-born salesman, Armando. All right, everybody. We'll see you after the quarterfinals. Take care.